Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. talking to the TV camera, I'm not going to wear a mask, and all of us have been immunized, so uh, you're welcome to step away if you like. The whole, the whole point of a vaccine, CDC guidance is what we're following. Please respect, please give dignity to the people, please give dignity to the people. So you work for the commissioner, your senior advisor, you were hired two weeks ago, and you're instructed to ask us to not have any pictures taken here. Please respect because the, the political rules. leadership at DHS does not want the American people to know it. Please respect the rules, You keep sir. standing in, in front of the pictures, so Please you don't want the, the pictures rules. taken. The rules are arbitrary, Please and they're designed the to keep the American the people, people in the dark. give the dignity and respect. That's all we ask. Dignity well, no, it's and not. Respect. You're asking, is this Please. dignity and respect? Look Please at these people. There, there's a pandemic. Please give dignity and respect to the people. Let, let me ask, ask you. you. There, there's a I pandemic. I respectfully ask you, sir. There is a pandemic. Is this respecting the rights of these kids? I ask you. Please Are you respecting the rights of these kids? This is not a zoo, sir. Please don't treat the people. You're right, and this is a dangerous place. Please don't treat the people. And your policies, unfortunately, are trying to hide them. I understand you were instructed when 18 senators came down here. Please respect the people, give them dignity and respect. I respect them, and I want to fix this situation. We all want to fix this. The administration you're working for is responsible for these conditions. Please respect the people with dignity and respect. And I ask you to respect the people as well. I am respecting you. I am respecting the people. This is not respect. Es fuerte el negocio ahorita, ¿se deja bien? Pues, a como está la situación con la gente, sí. Por lo menos, eso aseguran estos dos jóvenes que han creado un negocio. Well, tonight, New York's Governor Andrew Cuomo is facing a new accusation of sexual misconduct. Sherry Ville, a married mother of three, claims that Cuomo forcibly kissed her on both cheeks during a visit to her flood-damaged home in 2017. Eight other women accuse the governor of misconduct. He denies touching anyone inappropriately. This is the season of rebirth and renewal. Christians enter Easter, right? Christ's death and resurrection. Jews celebrate the angel of death passing over the homes of true believers. The message could not be more resonant because, look, no matter what you choose it to be, we must all believe in something bigger than ourselves. For the religious, you know, like the ones I mentioned, it's God. But for all of us, religious, secular, whatever, there is still a call to something bigger. It is the pledge of allegiance to the collective. One nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That pledge needs to be reaffirmed right now. We are in a bad spot. We are mired in a time of a plague-like pandemic, and we are mired largely because of us 
and a collective lack of faith in the facts and a lack of faith to that pledge of allegiance. Too many refuse to live the right way with masks and with restraint to hold back the variants. As a result, all of us are suffering. COVID is rising again. The CDC director is now warning of impending doom. More resonant. Because, look, no matter what you choose it to be, we must all believe in something bigger than ourselves. For the religious, you know, like the ones I mentioned, it's God. But for all of us, religious, secular, whatever, there is still a call to something bigger. It is the pledge of allegiance to the collective. One nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That pledge needs to be reaffirmed right now. We are in a bad spot. We are mired in a time of a plague-like pandemic, and we are mired largely because of us and a collective lack of faith in the facts and a lack of faith to that pledge of allegiance. Too many refuse to live the right way with masks and with restraint to hold back the variant. I'd like to find out what the White House thinks about what's happening in San Diego, where some public school teachers are providing in-person instruction at the San Diego Convention Center to migrant children before their own public school students. And these kids, of course, about 130,000 of them have been at home doing online learning for about a year now. So what does the White House think about that? Well, I know you guys have done a fair amount of reporting on this, so maybe you'll have more details. Uh, as I understand it, San Diego public schools are opening in early April. April 12th to hybrid learning. Okay. And students will be back in the classroom. And as I understand it, this is related part-time. Uh, and certainly, you know, our objective from the White House, opening up five days a week, uh, majority of schools across the country. And uh, they're on spring break right now. And this is related to volunteering or being paid. I'm not even sure you'd have to ask the local school district during spring break for these migrant kids. Yes, yeah, so the San Diego County Supervisor, Jim Desmond, he says, you know, I think it's great that there's in-person learning for unaccompanied minors from Central America, but I wish every child in San Diego County was allowed the same opportunity for in-person teaching. So I guess the, the question is, you know, uh, does the White House think that this sends the right message to these 130,000 kids in San Diego and their parents who've been stuck at home for the last year? Well, I'm just saying that context is important. And these kids are going back to school uh, for hybrid learning. We, of course, want that to be five days a week, and we're confident we'll get... And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 31st of March, year of our Lord, 2020. And I know that's a long intro, but we're going to do a business-like podcast today with bumpers up front, stories moving on. I got a really compressed time schedule, even though it's uh, 6 a.m., but I got to get on post, get the wife a new ID card, and get a few things done. We did a cruise redux there since I saw an editing problem last podcast. I never played this stupid asshole asking to put your mask on, even though he has the vaccine. And then I went into the story about how Pisaki sneezed. Nobody seemed to care, which is, you know, par for the course with our, our media. A nice little soundbite that uh, Biden's not in charge of shit. We have a six accuser of Cuomo, but you see Cuomo not even covering it. And we have Biden administration doing what we know they do make no sense with passport vaccines now interesting things that i've discovered let me pop this up because 
This is pretty good. That's CVS. To get a shot at CVS, you got to have an ID card. And we kind of tie this together with this voting stuff that these people with the Georgia law, which we'll see today, um, is hot garbage. Just hot garbage. They're just lying. Literally lying. Like, excessively lying. But they have this thing about IDs. They just don't like people proving who they are. But here you want to have a COVID vaccine. Now, they work this in concert with, hey, I got my vaccine. I don't have to wear a mask anymore. Instead of the kabuki theater they're doing right now. Maybe I would say, hey, that makes common sense. Hey, you can, you can get this vac- this this proof that you can go to back to baseball games, football games, and whatever, concerts, and you don't have to wear a mask, get the vaccine. I would be like, okay, that makes sense. But that's not their logic. You still have to wear a mask. You're supposed to wear three masks, even if you have the vaccines or not. But you need an ID to go anywhere, a vaccine passport. And you got to have it to get the shot. But not to vote. Because why Why would we? Just why would we? Washington Post. Keith Boykin. The Biden administration is working with private companies to develop a vaccine passport or vaccine credentials. But they're trying to design a product that can avoid fraud, ensure data security, include low-income populations. Here's a blue check. Time to impeach and prosecute. Disclose TV. New. Biden admin is set to launch a COVID-19 passport that Americans must have to engage in commerce and would track Americans that took vaccine. Dr. Naomi, Naomi Wolf. I hate to be a Democrat to have to say this, but it's time to impeach and prosecute. This is clear and present danger, and these are high crimes and misdemeanors against our Constitution and basic liberties. Oh, really? We said that a month ago. But that wasn't just the end of it, because remember, these are the fascists. You know, I I have the wrong stuff up. Let me let me get. Uh, uh, I don't even have it loaded. I need the Democrat fascist picture right now. Scoop. Biden's COVID team appears to have enter- entertained a test and trace app that would have let businesses deny service to patrons based on their health data. It also would have divided users into three color-coded categories, just like China. China. Just like China. The app was pioneered by the University of Illinois, which apparently tried to sell Biden on scaling up the school's contact tracing system. If records, it records, excuse me, test results on Bluetooth data to determine who has been exposed to the virus and links building access to that information. The proposal will amount to be more extreme version of so-called vaccine passport. Those passports collect less information and use a less granular classification scheme than the University of Illinois app, meaning they pose relatively fewer risks to civil liberties. The proposal also threatened to exclude far more Americans from public life than measures like voter ID laws, which progressives have decried as a new Jim Crow. Only 11% of Americans do not have a government issue ID, whereas 19 don't own a smartphone. Mmm! You fucking racist! 
Don't worry, Biden's going to roll back out the Obama phones that I talked about on the show back in Chicago. The system would have enabled faster reopening at lower risk without centralizing surveillance in the hands of the federal government, but it would likely have encouraged a form of decentralized surveillance among businesses and local bureaucrats. In order to be effective, the app required widespread participation, meaning local institutions would have strong incentive to mandate it, even if they weren't technically required to. That could be the beginning of a kind of social credit system. The app collected less data and had more built-in privacy protections than other systems, and with over six of population fully vaccinated biden seems to have left it on the chopping block here's the reality about the whole thing what country do they live in see this is what's wrong with america i watched a segment last night of a new lady that wants to take on murkowski in alaska and she was talking she's the washington set she knows about washington but she doesn't know about alaska what politician does know about their home state I mean, the Biden administration either goes back to his home in Delaware or they hide behind the barbed wire in the green zone. They don't know what it's like out there in the hinterland. We're we're already back to work. And you saw Pisaki and them, you know, hey, hmm, it's all good. What's your problem? She even explained, reporter confronts Psaki about the administration rebranding as the Biden-Harris administration. It is a reflection of the important role that she will play moving forward. Ah, that's interesting because the hot potato of immigration sure the fuck went back because she says she ain't in charge of shit. It's rebranding because A, they're going to bench him. That's why. The dude's got fucking Alzheimer, like a mother or dementia or something. Grandpa don't know where he is. I would bet you a paycheck. And to me, that was really important because I'm unemployed. I would guarantee he poops his pants. Homie's fucked up, man. I mean, I don't want to be mean, but he's just fucked up. When I'm 70, whatever the fuck, eight, I would not be running a country. They said the Gipper was too old. And with Biden, okie dokie artichokey. And then this made the rounds. Let me just play it. Yeah, affordable child care is a big deal. More parents are seeing the value of educators when they have to bring the kids. <laughs> 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 My wife literally said, what is wrong with her? I don't know what's wrong with her. I think it's their answer because it was a back-to-back clip on a show we were watching where Biden laughed about shit because they can. They can get away with everything. They're allowed to because they're Democrats. They don't get held accountable. At this point in the Trump administration of all this stuff was going on, he was talking about passports and he was doing a voter act to totally take over the voting of every state in the union. And the border was a total goddamn zombie apocalypse. Holy fucking sheep shit. Especially when they're censoring, when they're not letting people go in there. On top of a major governor that you made a bunch of stuff that he was the shit and compared him to Trump during the election run-up. And his brother's still doing this. Remember, you hear nothing a lot 
about this from electeds on the right. Trump and Co. admits they fed you BS, just like January 6th, people like Mulvaney saying they were still absolutely vote Trump. Likely hate TV and courts saying Carlson is not to be taken seriously. It is all the big lie. Today, a column looks at the notion that mega fans don't like Trump or his minions. Literally, they clearly do. Gnome Bloom. What cut back from vacation, Chris? Care to comment on the improper special treatment you received for your brother on COVID and the fact that you interviewed him repeatedly without mentioning that scandal and didn't tell your boss about the conflict of interest and that your brothers fucking harassed six people? Mm-mm. No. No. And then the breaking now of the fact that all us conspiracy theorists, when the shit broke out, and if you rewind the tape on this show, we were talking in May about how it got out of the Wuhan lab, because it just made common sense that there was a bio lab and then a form that they can't relate to an animal of COVID broke the fuck out, and there are Chinese people on Twitter, actually doctors, talking about it, and then they all got banned, so that pretty much made you think, okay, that's why they got banned, and we were all conspiracy theorists, but yeah, now we're saying, it's pretty sure that the, even the intel community, that shit got out of the lab, because they can't trace it to an animal. It's a bad virus, but it's been modified, and it came from a lab. And Dana Bash, and I play it, but I don't like anything on CNN. She even said, well, what are we going to do to China? But they want to protect China. They're going with the WHO. Who's protecting China? Because why would we? And then we have this amazing soundbite and why we're still in two parallel universe on COVID. We're, we're not in the same country on COVID. Caitlin Collins, that shrill little fucking tramp that works for CNN. CDC Director Walensky become emotional during today's COVID briefing, saying she's ditching prepared remarks because she's scared of rising case numbers in the U.S. Right now I'm scared. I so badly want to be done, so I'm asking you just to hold on a little longer. Now's one of those times when I have to share the truth and I have to hope and trust you and listen. Walensky said, saying she's going to pause and reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. News from the CDC, as well as some remarkable comments from the director of HL Hazard. Hey, Meg. That is true, Carl. The briefing going on now with the CDC director, Dr. Fauci, and Andy Slavitt for the White House uh, COVID response team. Let's start with some news, some good news on the vaccines. The CDC study of healthcare workers and other frontline and essential workers over 13 weeks from December to March. Infection reduced infections from. I'm going to pause here. I'm going to lose the script. And I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential of where we are, and so much reason for hope. But right now, I'm scared. I'm scared because we're losing the power that we have over you. And that's all it's really about. Florida, the rates are going down. They're open. Nobody wears a mask here except for me and my wife. That's it. Nobody's wearing masks. And there's no cases. We're not clogged. There's no, we need respirators. Oh my God! There's none of that shit happening. But they want that power. And you can tell it in two different versions of how it is being covered. Here's Joe Scarborough and Tucker Carlson. (laughs) I'm now hearing lunatics, and I call them lunatics, uh, that are now, uh, of course, still pushing back on the mask. But now we're saying that if we somehow 
uh, have something that identifies us as having a vaccine, that we're, we're like part of Satan or the mark of the devil. Like, yeah. The idiocy, our, our Nazi Germany, like the idiocy is just beyond us. They're acting recklessly and irresponsibly. They're being stupid. They're so let's talk about something else that is getting a lot of controversy, and that's what happens when you get vac- vaccinated. They're talking about a vaccine passport, where if you get vaccinated, maybe you can go to that game. You get vaccinated, maybe you go to that uh, on that plane. And if not, maybe you don't. Governor Ron DeSantis, in a state you're familiar with, Florida, said this uh. about the concept of vaccine passports. It's completely unacceptable for either the government or the private sector to impose upon you uh, the requirement that you show proof of vaccine to just simply be able to participate in normal society. You want the fox to guard the hen house? I mean, give me a break. I think this is something that has huge privacy implications. It is not necessary to do. He's not waiting to find out what Joe Biden's going to do. Tucker, where do you stand? Why is it left to the governor of Florida to say that? Aren't there 50 Republicans in the Senate? Why aren't they standing all in a line with Mitch McConnell in the center saying, no, we're not doing this. I'm sorry, you're not allowed. In this country, because of HIPAA laws, you're not allowed to know if your kids have a sex change. I mean, and now they're, your private, infor- whether you're vaccinated or not, is that information will be in the hands of the tech companies, and that will determine whether you can participate in American life. Look, if you're trying to calm people down about the idea of vaccines and make them less vaccine-hesitant, and make them, you know, convince them that it's not a conspiracy run by Bill Gates, a conspiracy theory, then you wouldn't even consider doing something like this. I mean, the amount of paranoia and fear and distrust and social division that this kind of policy will engender is impossible to calculate. If you wanted to divide American society even further, you would go ahead and do something Orwellian like this. Of course, they don't care, but where are the defenders of, I don't know, American way in Washington. I mean, they really should be outraged by this, in my opinion. Break it down. We are joined by Mercedes Schlapp, ACU Foundation Senior Fellow and former White House advisor to President Trump, also joined by Chris Hahn. He's the host of the Aggressive Progressive podcast. Say that three times fast. He's also a former aide to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Thanks to you both for joining me. Um, Mercedes, it strikes me that something else interesting about these vaccination passports that Republicans are saying is that it's hypocritical coming from the Biden administration because this is the same administration that is whose party is broadly against the idea of um, ID requirements for voter registration and voting at polls across the nation. Right. I I mean, Jillian, you hit a a a really important point here, and that's the illogical uh, mentality of the left, uh, where you're hearing this support vaccine passports. We've already seen Governor Cuomo uh, move forward in this direction in terms of having vaccine credentials when uh, individuals are going to an entertainment venue. Uh, And then at the same time, you have the Democrats saying, well, wait a second, you don't need a voting voter ID to vote. Okay, when you get a COVID vaccine, you have to show an ID. When you go to the doctor, you have to show an ID. And now Uh, You're seeing this movement towards saying, yes, if you're going to go to these events, if you're going to travel, you may need a vaccine passport. You have the Biden administration uh, working with big tech to come up with this technology. I think all of it is troubling. And and we really need to step away from this uh, this issue. And because there are constitutional issues, privacy questions associated with these vaccine passports. Yeah. 
So, Chris, we know that the White House or the Biden administration writ large is not unified around this concept. We've heard some officials speak out against it. But on the flip side, those who are in favor say, hey, this is going to make life easier for Americans. It's going to help you avoid the dreaded quarantine period that's now in place for Americans around the world. If you want to start traveling to other countries for business or to see your family, this is going to make it a lot more pleasant for you. The passport. Here's what's troubling. Here's what's troubling. The private sector is driving it, not the government. But Republicans, like everything else they've done during this horrible crisis we've been through, are pushing these conspiracy theories that the government's trying to control you, which is causing some of their followers not to get vaccinated. People like Tucker Carlson, like Jim Jordan, like Mercedes right here, right now, casting doubt on the fact that the government, or, or trying to convince people that the government is somehow watching you that is very irresponsible. You know People what? need to get vaccinated. You are, it's, and it's the private, hold on, it, hold on. It is the private sector that wants to make sure that people coming into their venues are vaccinated so that their patrons can be safe from COVID-19. It is time for conservatives in this country to acknowledge we have a crisis and start joining the fight to end it and stop spreading lies about what's going on in this Chris, country. The whole thing is a fucking joke. They literally just don't want to give up the power. They just don't want to give up the power. I mean, you hear it. All you conspiracy theorists. What? The mask really didn't help because it's kind of being proven that it's not helping. Uh, that it is pretty fucking hypocritical that we're doing this whole voting thing that we'll do in a little bit because we're going to the border and then guns. And you literally are saying that if somebody is required to show an ID, it's Jim Crow when you got to have an ID to get a vaccine and you want to have an ID to say you had a vaccine. They just don't want to give up the power. They're going to, it's like a lemon, and they're squeezing as much out of it as they can. They want to make that lemonade as far as they can with COVID, because they they want an election on it. They demonized the president, said he killed 500,000 people. We're over 200,000 dead right now, and they don't even talk about it with Biden administration. But why wouldn't we? And that's counting it different. And if you notice... Do you hear it? Does CNN have the death ticker? This is just like the Iraq war all over again. Every night, the body count ticker for killed and wounded. The moment Obama became president and started more wars, we didn't talk about it anymore. So, since we're kind of jacked up because I tried a large primer, let's go to the border and watch this again. Please give dignity to the people. Please give dignity to the people. So you work for the commissioner, your senior advisor. You were hired two weeks ago, and you're instructed to ask us to not have any pictures taken here. Please respect the people. Because the, the political rules. leadership at DHS does not want the American people to know it. Please respect the rules, You keep sir. standing in, in front of the pictures, so Please you don't want the, the pictures rules. taken. The rules are arbitrary, Please and they're designed the to keep the American people in the dignity dark. dignity and respect. That's all we ask. Well, dignity no, it's and not. respect. You're asking, is this Please. dignity and respect? Look Please at these people. Please give dignity there's a and pandemic. respect to the people. Let, let I me ask you. you. There, there's a I pandemic. I respectfully ask you, sir. There is a pandemic. Is this respecting the rights of these I kids? I ask you. Please Are respect you respecting the, the rights of these this kids? This is not a zoo, sir. Please it, don't treat the people. You're right. 
and this is a dangerous place. Please don't treat the And your policies, like this. unfortunately, you, are trying to hide them. I understand That's you were instructed. When 18 I senators came to down here, respect the people, give them dignity I respect and them and I want to fix this situation. We all want to fix this. And the administration you're working for is responsible anymore. for these conditions. Please respect the people with dignity and, and respect. And sir. I ask you to respect the people as well. This I am respecting is not you. Respect. I am respecting this is, the people. This is not respect. So on our intro, we played that and we played the Coyotes saying business is good. It's booming thanks to good old Biden. But that's Ted Cruz being censored and talking about dignity we're talking about dignity as we cram thousands of people in 200 bed facilities but it's dignity ted cruz how far is joe biden going to stop the american people from seeing inside the donna cbp facility biden sent a political operative dc to block our camera and even threatened another senator obstruct legitimate congressional oversight Please give the people dignity and respect, she says, while hiding the fact that they're being taught they've tossed these people in pens, literally on top of one another at an unprecedented rate. Caleb Hall, it doesn't get much worse than this. What a terrible look for the Biden administration. Where is AOC and her white garb knights? Robbie Starbuck, watch the emotional manipulation this woman attempts this video. Just two years ago, her party was demanding to see photos and videos inside the facility. Trump let the media in. Biden won't let them them and he's trying to hide what he's doing yeah hmm there's stories everywhere uh epoch times why they're coming in biden what crisis reporters to a temporary border facility that is at 1700 percent pandemic capacity at a cost of 16 million a month nicola nicole saganga Thread. Reporters toured the temporary border facility in Donna, Texas day. The Biden admin allowed pool coverage for the first time. We saw a pod designated for 32 Im- migrants have 615. The facility is at 1,700% occupation. Unaccompanied migrant children, some age as four, as young as four months, nine years old, two nine years old, now being held in a recreational area around the clock because there's no, there's just no room. The outdoor recreation area is being used to stage COVID testing before unaccompanied migrant children are transferred to HHS facilities. We counted more than 50 COVID positive and largely asymptomatic kids waiting for their quarantine bus right next to the soccer team. More than 2,000 migrants at the temporary processing facility in Donna have been here for over the legal limit of 72 hours. Senior CBP officials told reporters that 1,200 migrants are processed and waiting to be transferred to HHS facilities. At the at least 39 unaccompanied migrant children have been in the temporary processing facility for more than 15 days. Acting Executive Officer for RGV Operational Programs Division Oscar Smilia told reporters the limit 72. Paul Ortiz, Deputy Chief of U.S. Border Patrol, told reporters CBP agents now see self-separation by families expelled under Title 42. Unaccompanied migrant children recross the border without the parents so they can be legal asylum within the system. Deputy Chief of U.S. Border Patrol Paul Ortiz told reporters CBP anticipates more than 1 million encounters of migrants in fiscal year 2021 alone. And it goes on and on and on. But what's the new stuff? We're going to be finding bodies. Local officials advocate, say Border Patrol is dropping immigrants in basically the middle of nowhere. 
you saw the soundbite where kids in San Diego are just now able to start doing some limited school, but they're going to do face-to-face schooling with the migrants because they're more important. What are they doing to fix this? Uh... New USCIS officials are planning to remove references to immigrants as aliens in the agency policy manual more than a year after the term was inserted in the guidance during the Trump administration court of government documents. Back in 2019, under the leadership of Ken Cuccinelli, USCIS proactively added alien to the policy manual. The term alien is currently used more than 1,700 times. Now officials look to replace alien with non-citizen as much as possible throughout the manual. And Stephen Miller sums it up. That'll fix it. That'll take care of the whole problem. Because words and shit. It's all about words. Wordsmithing is what these motherfuckers do. And that's all they care about. And and really think about it. You can't go to school as an American kid in blue states. Because COVID and the CDC director and her fucking, her fucking doom. There's so much doom and gloom. And red states are already back to work, and the numbers aren't going up, and people aren't dying left and right, and blah, blah, blah. But we're, we, yeah, yeah. We're going to squeeze that turnip. We're going to make that motherfucker as juicy as we motherfucking can, because we want to run this fascist shit forever. And then you have CBS do a poll. It's all so bad. But tell me if you hear it. A new ABC News Ipsos poll suggesting 72% of Americans approve of President Biden's handling of the pandemic, but 57% disapprove of his handling of the rise in migrants along the border with Mexico. And a new national poll finds 57% of Americans disapproving of President Biden's handling of the situation at the southern border so far. But that same ABC News Ipsos poll finds the president's approval landing at 72% for his handling of the COVID pandemic. A new ABC News Ipsos poll suggesting 72% of Americans approve of President Biden's handling of the pandemic, but 57% disapprove of his handling of the rise in migrants along the border with Mexico. And a new national poll finds 57% of Americans disapproving of President Biden's handling of the situation at the southern border so far. But that same ABC News Ipsos poll finds the president's approval landing at 72% for his... You see how they buried the lead? They bury it. Because they want to protect them. They will protect them on everything. We're going to do a gun section, but you wait till voting. The amount of carnage they are laying on Georgia Bill to say they don't want people to have water. I mean, God damn. The border is a hot fucking mess. It's horrible. And that's a liberal poll. It's more than 57%. Nobody can look at those pictures and say, hey, this is great. Especially after what you did with Trump. And most Americans are smart enough to know that it started under Obama. So we know what you're doing. You're protecting the home team. And you're protecting the home team on this gun grab like never before. Long bumper. Violence. But you don't hear that with the media.
Exclusive interview with Vice President Kamala Harris. We'll talk about the White House push for stricter gun measures following the Colorado and Atlanta area shootings and whether President Biden is prepared to bypass Congress on gun reform. Listen, it's okay. clear that the president's intention and his frustration are very clear. But the reality is you guys just don't have the votes. So what's your move? So but, what will the Biden administration do? We keep hearing about executive action. What does that mean, Madam Vice President? But Madam Vice President, as it stands right now, you do not have the votes. Failing that, is the president prepared to take executive action? I want to make sure that we really get to talk to you about what happens next. Because you tweeted last night, enough is enough. What can, what should Congress do now? It seems like we have heard this song, played this record many times before, and nothing changes. I think the time for inaction is over. It does not have to be this way. There are common sense gun reform legislation proposals that have been uh, debated in the Congress for far too long. Congressman, we, we don't yet know the details of this particular case, but the bigger picture conversation about legislation doesn't depend on any particular case. It depends on the politics of it. I, I remember uh, the Newtown massacre and the feeling like, if not now, when? And yet those efforts largely came to naught, at least federally. What can you do now 
to make a difference this time around. Aren't you frustrated by this, Congressman? I look at countries around the world that look at us and say, what is wrong with you, United States of America? I wake up this morning, I keep thinking about those 10 families who woke up and the families in Atlanta last week whose lives are forever changed. And we keep pointing fingers at everybody else and nothing gets done here. Yeah, no, I, I share your frustration, Gail. It doesn't, as I said, it doesn't have to be this way. This is not Let's get back to the Republicans who are consistently yeah. opposing this. Yeah. Um, um, you know, he, here's one. I'm going to play you what Senator Ted Cruz said in the Senate today, pushing back against Democrats who are saying, okay, now, now can we do something about it? Take a listen to Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. What happens in this committee after every mass shooting is Democrats propose taking away guns from law-abiding citizens, because that's their political objective. But what they propose, not only does it not reduce crime, it makes it worse. The jurisdictions in this country with the strictest gun control have among the highest rates of crime and murder. When you disarm law-abiding citizens, you make them more likely to be victims. If you want to stop these murders, Go after the murderers. So that's interesting. Go after the murderers. Um, you know, the NRA says, I think it says, guns don't kill, people kill, right? And yet, I have today been listening to security and law enforcement experts who have, you know, joined the dots from all the terrible names that we can, we can you know, enumerate of the sites of mass shootings over the last several years. And the one constant is actually a gun, the AR-15. It is the only weapon is designed to kill, not just wound. It is designed to kill, and it's been used in just about all of these terrible mass shootings. By, President Biden's now saying there should be a ban on assault, uh, assault rifles and expanded background checks. Why is it that, that the politicians don't get it about AR-15 and the assault weapons? Why do they conflate that with the legitimate right under the Second Amendment, under legal provisions, to bear guns. Yeah, I, uh, I because they're, you know, people like Ted Cruz don't have a conscience. <laughs> um, We've all seen, heard, and felt cries for racial justice across this country. But for all the calls for change and the hard discussions, where are we? And how big a deal is this in the understanding? Van Jones joins me now. Van, good to see you. Um, see you what did you take from today and the reactions to today around the country? Look, I mean, everybody I'm talking to is, is, uh, is, are frustrated, um, uh, re-triggered, re-traumatized, uh, seeing that uh, video, seeing the, the complete contempt for life. Uh, you have a generation of African-Americans and their allies. I'm talking this entire young generation uh, that is watching this to see if America is, listen, this, the system is on trial here. The system is on trial. And I can't tell you, uh, uh, people have tried to push away from this, move on from this. Today brought it all back home for tens of millions of people. And if this is considered legal conduct from a police officer, if you can do this in broad daylight, and not go to jail. It, it's, it will be perceived as open season, telling police officers from coast to coast, you can literally get away with murder in broad daylight. So this was, a, I think today was a, was a brutal day for the people who were able to watch. A lot of people weren't even able to watch. Uh, they said, I just can't even put myself through, the, through this again.
And who knew that it was even 30 seconds longer, uh, almost yeah. 45 seconds longer yeah. uh, than we, you know, we all went with 846. Uh, you see it and it hurts uh, yeah. and it hurts black people and it hurts white people who care about black people. And you believe we got to be better in this and time and time again, you see in trial there, mm-hmm. I, you know, Elliot disagrees with me, better legal minds do, and I'm happy. I think this is a case that is not as easy to make as people expect. If you get one well, juror to yeah. believe that the amount of drugs in his system may have contributed to what happened to him that day, mm-hmm. it could be over. Yeah. What would that mean? Well, well, I mean, I think it'd be terrible. I, look, this, I, I'm an older guy and I was born in 68. I was in law school when Rodney King went down. And, and that was the first time we had seen a videotaped uh, a beating that the whole world saw. You know, back then, videotapes, you, know, you barely saw a video camera off of a movie set. Maybe at like the, you know, the, the, the Thanksgiving dinner or something, somebody would bring one out. To have a videotaped beating, we could finally say, this is what's been happening in the community. And when they came back with the initial verdict, that it was okay for police officers to do this, I mean, you lost a whole generation, including me. I went to the left side of Pluto after that. I said, I cannot be a part. I was, I was studying in law school. And I'm saying, this is not liberty and justice for all. What is this? You, now, this is a different uh, uh, precipice we're hanging over now. Because you now have an entire generation. And it's not just African-Americans. It's all of our allies. Um, a part of what happened with, with, the, with the election 2016, you had the suburbs move away from this negative racial politics, as well as black people coming out, you know, in record numbers. This is the system on trial for a generation. And, you know, I, I, listen, uh, you, you can ask any of the uh, people who have been marching out here in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, this is going to be, with, they, they, there will be half a billion people watching when the verdict comes out. You know, when someone calls your friend or your your boss, someone, when they need to talk to you, they said, just, can I have a few minutes of your time? Can I have a few minutes of your, of your undivided attention here? And I know your time is very precious. It's very valuable. If I can have 10 minutes of it, and I'm going to tell you why in just a second here, 10 minutes. And again, your time is valuable. 10 minutes is a long time for, for you to devote to someone like me, right? So you've heard that number over and over again, 846, 846, eight minutes and 46 seconds. And that was stunning when we first saw it and the first time we heard it, that's a long time. You've heard that's how long white police officer, a white police officer, Derek Chauvin, kneeled on the neck of a black man, George Floyd, as he begged for his life. But as Chris just told you, we learned today that it was much longer than that. He stayed on George Floyd's neck for nine minutes, and 29 seconds. So I just want to put something up on the screen for you as I'm doing this. So please, there it is. I'm going to run a clock on the screen for nine minutes and 29 seconds. It's an excruciatingly long time. I cut that down because there's even SNL. I mean, it is just reams of stuff. But nobody covered that violent thing. Video, NYPD say 65-year-old American, Asian-American woman was walking to church this morning when a suspect assaulted her and said, Fuck you, you don't belong here. Happened in front of 360 West 43rd Street, 1140 AM. Sources say building security guard not only failed to render her aid, but he shut the door. Because uh, black guy don't want to 
get them in trouble. The other one's from Matt in Oregon, where they arrested a guy for having to pull out his gun because NFL was beating it up. He ended up getting released. He didn't get charged for anything. And then another guy got his car all fucked the fuck up. But yeah, we don't need guns. Victim blaming Mayor Browser. This is just the fucking worst thing. The death of... um. The death of Mohar Anwar, 66-year-old immigrant from Pakistan who lived in Virginia and was working as a driver for Uber Eats, comes amid a wave of carjackings that began last year in the district in suburban Maryland and is continuing this year. Police experts are blaming the carjacking in part on the pandemic that's closed schools and youth programs and made outreach and monitoring more difficult. Delivery and ride hail drivers have been particularly vulnerable, according to authorities. Are you actually blaming the victim? Lauren Chen. Mohan Anwar was in the car when two women murdered and carjacked gone wrong. In response, D.C. Mayor posts this tweet about how to prevent auto theft. I believe this was called victim blaming. And where is the goddamn tweet? Because it's just fucking... With, with, with that said, Mayor Browser called auto theft a crime of opportunity and shared these five tips to do nothing to help delivery and rail drivers while at the same time blaming the victim for what happened. The five tips are park in a safe spot, lock your car, keep track on your keys, never leave your engine running, stay alert, but if they're black people, you're racist if you get upset. Yahoo News White House correspondent melts down over conservatives sharing the video of Muhammad Anwar's murder. Hunter Walker, the recent wave of anti-Asian hate is absolutely disgusting, March 17th. It's also important to acknowledge these women who were killed who were killed were working in massage parlors. This is another vulnerable group that's been targeted for abuse and hate. It may be harder to talk about. We shouldn't look away. No one deserves to be hurt because of where they came from. Blah, 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 blah. There are a lot of far-right commentators sharing this horrific story and highlighting the fact that perpetrators are black. But there are also more mainstream conservatives sharing this story, including from outlets like Daily Caller and GOP operatives. In some cases, they're coining videos, taking copying videos, taken directly from far-right, explicitly racist voices, including popular Gab and Telegram accounts. Anyone who truly, anyone who truly, though, and more life thought... Anmar's life mattered, he didn't say thought, he said though, would not use his death to make a straw man argument in some unrelated political argument. Really? Molly Hemingway, how can I take this unspeakably awful murder committed by teen girls caught on a video and make it about how Republicans are bad? Maybe take a break from that sick, boring, never-ending, stupid game for just one story, if you're able to. Jack Probosek, a South Asian immigrant was murdered in D.C. and the horrific video of the attack went viral yesterday. Not one of the Stop Asian Hate promoters even mentioned it. No major brand announced they were donating to his family fundraiser, all because it didn't fit the narrative. Just incredible how fast they shift this cable hole from Republicans or Islamophobics to Republicans or racists for caring about a Muslim man being murdered. Skin color is only relevant to those pushing for a race war. Um, Hunter Walker, Senator, the truth hurts. The most facts are indisputable. The Democrats hate both. Um, somebody responded to him and this Hunter Walker, you want a perfect example, someone who's had more mainstream platform and gladly participate in stoking far right conservatives and crowd of trolls. Look no further to Suraji here. Hajan, our expectations for you were low, but holy fuck was this reply. <laughs> These fucking people. Oh, Jesus. Mm. But the gun thing ties in with it. 
Because when you have policies, Baltimore will stop prosecuting low-level offenses such as drug possession or prostitution. California Supreme Court ends cash bail for some people who can't pay. I can't pay. Oh, I bet I'll have to pay. Philadelphia DA begins restorative justice program that may keep people arrested during 2020 uprisings out of jail. Yeah. And then one of my favorite ones of all time was the jokers that were going to fucking, they were going to fucking kidnap that weirdo in Michigan. We, on the right side of the political spectrum, said, this guy's a fucking liberal. He's a liberal. He's not a Trumper. Actual videos of him dogging Trump with an anarchy flag were all over the place on Twitter. But the media ran with it because Trump, we got to get him out of office. Got to elect Biden. Judge dismisses terrorism counts, but three will face other charges in Whitmer kidnapping case because they're lefties now. They're lefties. Then there's Biden admin press the Supreme Court to let police enter homes without a warrant and seize firearms. That's a case they're pushing. They want to just be able to walk in your house and take your gun. It won't be for hood rats. It won't be for MS-13. It'll be red staters. You got too many guns, we're just going to take them. But when you you go across this whole fucking internet, uh, let me get this picture. It is fucking classic. Oh, why is this going to shit? Sorry. This is the big thing. Uh, I'm fucking this up by the numbers. There we go. This is all over the internet. Per- percent who own guns. And it comes, comes from Vox. Vox is right to be concerned that America owns roughly 45% of all world's privately held firearms. Americans make up less than 5% of the world population, yet they own roughly 45% of all the world's privately held firearms. It's a real damn inconvenience. King George the Third. This is completely awful. The number needs to come down. There's no reason we should be only people in the world to have ready access to firearms. Everyone else should too. <laughs> you got to pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. I mean, everybody just dogs the shit out of them. But this was all over the place. This was fucking huge. Just fucking huge. And the best part is you get this New York GOP person. The criminals can get guns all the time. This is what she had to do. Liz Joy. To get my pistol permit, I had to take a New York safety class, take a pass or a handwritten test, pass target class or certified instructor, get four letters written on behalf to a judge, write letter to judge of why I want permit, and so I did so I could prevent this from happening to me again, and she got beat the fuck up. She had to go through all that. Piper's dad, if I ever feel the need to pull my firearm, it will indeed be a life and death situation. My life means more to me than your death. So sorry you had to go through that. One thing I know is we cannot give up our rights self-defense without a fight. And that was Dana Loesch. But that's everything you have to do. 
You, that's everything you have to do to get a gun. America's gun problem. Explain. The public and research supports gun c- control. Here's how it could help and why it doesn't pass. How long is this? I'm gonna. Pl- I'm gonna play this. This is from Vox, and then I'm gonna play a conservative skewing CNN because they're the biggest ones pushing guns. The United States has a problem with gun violence. We hold the victims in our hearts. Perhaps we may never fully understand it. We talk about it after mass shootings, but it's much larger and more complicated than those debates allow. Here's what you need to know about the state of gun violence in America. It's true that the U.S. sees many more mass shootings than these other developed countries. Between 2000 and 2014, there were 133 mass shootings in public populated places. That's excluding gang violence and terrorism. Of course, the U.S. is a much larger country, but if you adjust for population size, it still ranks higher. Of these countries, Finland is next, with just two shootings over 14 years, but a much, much smaller population. And this type of tragedy seems to be happening more often in the U.S. Each of these squares represents a public mass shooting with four or more fatalities. Before 2011, they happened six months apart on average. But since then, only two months go by between them. I hope and pray that I don't have to come out again during my tenure as president to offer my condolences to families in these circumstances. That was October 1st, 2015. And just about two months later... Yesterday, a tragedy takes San Bernardino. Uh, our first order of business is to send our thoughts and prayers to the families of those who've been killed. Public mass shootings get all the attention because they're often so indiscriminate. But the truth is, mass shootings are unlike most gun deaths in America. Here's how it breaks down. According to the most recent data, 92 people are killed with guns every day on average. About 30 of those are homicides, of which maybe one and a half at most can be considered part of mass shootings. Most of those killed, 58 people a day, are suicides. The rest are accidental shootings, police actions, and undetermined incidents. Those suicides, they show up in international comparisons too. These are the 10 countries ranked highest on human development by the UN. The US has the highest suicide rate among them, and this darker bar shows how many of those are with guns. Some people think suicide isn't really relevant to the gun issue. But to go and think that some type of gun control regulations that are being talked about are gonna stop somebody from committing suicide when there's so many other ways for people to commit suicide. But the methods that people use are important because suicide attempts often stem from temporary crises. The vast majority of people who survive suicide attempts don't end up dying from suicide, but guns make it nearly impossible to get that second chance. The victims of gun suicides are overwhelmingly men and mostly white. And the rate of gun suicides has been increasing in the U.S. At the same time, the rate of gun homicides has been decreasing, especially since the 90s when crime rates in general were higher. But if you compare the U.S. to other developed countries, it doesn't look like good news. These are homicides adjusted for population size. The U.S. would probably have a higher homicide rate even without guns, but you can see how gun violence pushes that rate far beyond the other countries here. 
The victims of these shootings, they're not the ones you often see on the national news. They're disproportionately young black men. You guys can leave here and go on with your lives, but we gotta go on to empty rooms because our children's lives were taken away by people who should not have had guns anyway. One possible explanation is that the U.S. simply has more crime than those other countries. But if you set aside homicides for a moment and look at rates of burglary or assault, you don't see that same spike that you see with homicide. It's not that America has much more crime. It's that crime in the U.S. is much more lethal. Altogether, the number of gun deaths in the U.S. from 2000 to 2013 exceeds the number of Americans killed by AIDS, by illegal drug overdoses, the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, and terrorism combined. It should be clear by now that this level of gun violence is a uniquely American problem among the developed world. And here's one reason why. There are a ton of guns in the U.S. This chart shows the estimated number of guns by country. It's adjusted for population size, and it's still not even close. The question that I would like to ask is, is, is how on earth could he compile 13 guns? How can that happen? If you take a look back at the 10 countries with the highest levels of human development, you can see that it's relatively really easy to get a gun in the U.S. All of the other countries require a license to purchase most guns, and those purchases are recorded into an official registry. To get that license, people have to state a reason for why they want a gun. And in most of these countries, they have to pass a safety test and are required by law to store their guns safely. In part because of its lax laws, there are well over 300 million guns in the U.S. and counting. This chart doesn't reflect private sales, but it shows the number of background checks, which all federally licensed dealers have to run. It suggests that the demand for guns has been increasing steeply since Barack Obama took office. So we've looked at gun deaths and at gun ownership. This chart puts them together. It shows that among highly developed countries, the more guns in a country, the more gun deaths. You can see that countries like Switzerland, which have relatively more guns than a country like the Netherlands, also have a higher gun death rate. And here's the U.S. Likewise, U.S. states with more guns have more gun homicides. There are outliers like Idaho, which has higher rates of gun ownership but low rates of gun murders. But overall, there's a correlation between gun ownership and homicide rates. And that relationship has held up in studies that control for things like poverty, unemployment, and crime. What do you think? Do we need another assault weapons ban? Well, I surely would want to ban M16s, but that's not what we're talking about. The actual weapons of war are not being used. It's really a pseudonym what? or it's- An AR-15? AR An AR-15 is not used. An AR-15 is not used by our military. And that's misleading by many people in this debate. Uh, I, I'm asking you if you think an AR-15 is akin to a weapon of war or what was used here, a Ruger 5.56. A weapon of war is an automatic weapon. It's a machine gun. That's what our army uses, our Marines use. And our AR-15 is not. It's a, it's a rifle. And by the way, the AR-15 is the most popular with rifle a, with, in America. With, with a magazine attached to it, they, just keep, they can just keep firing bullets. With a magazine attached to it, they can just keep firing and firing and firing. Is it semantics, Congressman, that we're talking well, it's, about it's, here? It's, it's dishonest to say that the Army or Marines are using the AR-15. It's not the not case. not what I said. It's a I... mislabeling. Okay.
That is not the point I was making. It was the Aurora police so chief who called this a weapon of war. But for what, Congressman? You, I'm, I'm asking. Should you be challenged? Poppy, should you be challenged on what you own and why? It's your right. Yeah, if I owned an AR-15, you, you, I would want, I would want, I, you. of course you could ask me why I owned it and for what. Especially when so many people are dying. I think it's a legitimate question. 99.9% of the people that own them are law-abiding people. I know principals who own them. I know so many people that would not, that are the most law-abiding people you know. Why should their rights be infringed? You we know, should go my, after the criminals, not law My job here, and neither of these bills in the House, neither one would confiscate any weapons. I want to be very clear. But my job in this chair is to ask the people in power like you what you will do to protect people that are murdered. New Fox narrative is, when will Biden go to the border? Why hasn't he gone there yet? Why isn't he there right now? We're going to hear that every day, by the way, until he takes the trip. That is how right-wing narratives trickle into the rest of the press and they divert attention. Amanda, what are the broader complaints from the left about coverage of Biden thus far? I mean, I think one of the biggest problems is exactly what Greg said, which is that the right sets the agenda they they decide that there's a border crisis and they don't want to look into the reasons for it. But more importantly, but is that Democrats think, fault? But is that Democrats fault, Amanda? They, they, they passed this giant bill on a weekend. Right. And then Biden went out and had a few press events, try to get attention for it. But isn't it their fault if they're not working harder to get attention for their priorities? I mean, I think, you know, the Democrats could always be doing more. They really could, obviously. But I think one of the complaints that the press has is that all these micromanaged presidential photo op situations are happening mm. instead of press conferences. And one of the reasons is Biden knows that if he has a press conference, it's going to be a bunch of questions that are basically from the right wing agenda that are not about what the American people want. And so... Of course, he's going to just do more photo ops and really micromanaged events. That's interesting. Greg, what are, what are the left's frustrations with media coverage right now? Well, I think one of the very big ones concerns the, the war on voting we're seeing across the country from Republicans. A wave of new voter suppression efforts underway in states. And almost uniformly, the way the press covers this is as a quote-unquote partisan battle. Right. Mm. As if there's an equivalence on one side between making it as hard to vote wherever possible based on zero public rationale of any kind and based on the lie that the election was stolen from Trump. And on the other side, trying to make it as easy to vote as possible. There isn't a midpoint between a fireman and an arsonist, as a clever person remarked on Twitter. And this debate <laughs> is just constantly distorted. Nothing more than two parties equivalently trying to game the system for partisan advantage. But the, the deep moral and substantive differences between the parties on the underlying issue, should we make it harder to vote based on lies or should we make it easier to vote so that more people can participate, is just mm. always erased. And Amanda, do you feel the press has not learned from the Trump years? Are they trying to be performatively tough on Biden in a bid to appear fair in the wake of Trump? When, of course, Trump was such an abnormality, such a liar that there's no equivalency between the two. Yeah, I mean, I think it, the problem isn't being tough on Biden, right? The problem is mistaking coming at Biden with right wing talking points, often which are based on lies or misinformation, as if that was being tough on Biden. I think there's a lot of things that people actually want to ask 
President Biden, and it's not being asked because instead we're getting Fox News setting the agenda on immigration and on other subjects like that. I think that there is a way to be tough that actually gets us real answers to the questions that most of us actually have. I love the way the Esquire story put it. Give voice to the voiceless. Josh, before we get to the WHO report, I want to get your response to what uh, ex-President Trump said in response to the CNN documentary COVID Wars, uh, where he really is, he issued a statement teeing off uh, the kind of statement that would have previously been a Twitter tantrum. Here's what he said. Two self-promoters trying to reinvent history to cover their bad instincts and faulty recommendations, which I fortunately always overturned. I only kept Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks on because they worked for the U.S. government so long, they're like a bad habit. Josh, Dr. Burke said in the documentary that uh, she felt the first 100,000 deaths might have been unavoidable, but basically 450,000 Americans have died because of bad policies from President Trump. Is President Trump, in effect, taking ownership in a backhanded way for his administration's failure and those deaths by attacking the doctors and proudly saying he ignored their advice? You know, I think there's plenty of blame to go around and a lot of things everybody wish they had done different, including Dr. Burks. But former President Trump's uh, level of concern for the real issue at hand, which is actually the pain and suffering of millions of Americans, is uh, next to none. And that's uh, consistent throughout his presidency and remains. And the fact that he's focusing on his personal squabbles and not the actual suffering of Americans, which he exacerbated through his ignorance, negligence and lies, uh, is appalling and depressing and uh, at the, is only mitigated by the small comfort that he's no longer president anymore. I mean, he is very upset about the CNN documentary. He obviously watched it closely or his advisors told him about it. I mean, he he was really that statement was sort of going through uh, point by point, Josh. He didn't learn anything. Yeah, no, I, I mean, he, he's, he's free, free to, like, put out whatever statements on whatever social media platforms haven't banned him. Luckily, he's not making the policy anymore. So, you know, yeah, his statement is, is depressing and appalling. Uh, but at least it won't kill any more Americans just because he's not president. And I think, you know, like, that's the small comfort that I find in it. Okay. It's just fucking all bullshit. You had that guy at the very end. I played the hate. Soundbite. And there's a reason why I did it. More and more, our media is driving hate towards conservative people. And more and more, there's more hate crimes towards them. You sum up all the attacks on people in mega physical assaults during the Trump years. The Las Vegas shooting. The baseball shooting. The Muslim shooting in Boulder that they won't even acknowledge. That's why people want guns. But then you get these kind of smart ass. This is a journalist. Conservatives. This is David Weissman. Conservatives, you feel that liberals don't like AR because it looks big and scary. Why do you feel the need to own one? Is it to compensate for something else? Replies, clever. Got any jokes about airplane peanuts? Yes, it's to compensate for other guns that are less fun to shoot. And any other stupid questions? Yes, I'm compensating for the fact that my dick cannot throw a rock in a straight line at a thousand feet per second. Another conservatives, do you trigger the libs because I'm obsessed with your penis size? I mean, what the who the fuck says that shit? But the worst, of course, is these twats over in CNN. 
On Tuesday morning in the aftermath of mass shooting in Boulder, CNN's New Day show was hard at work peddling misinformation to promote plan by Democrats to enact more gun control. Analysts repeated the claim that mass shootings are unique to the U.S., claimed that Colorado had permissive gun law and alluded to so-called Charleston loophole to support a a longer potential background check. As co-host Allison Camerata fretted that as the pandemic lockdowns wane, mass shootings are on the rise again, CNN Homeland Security analyst Julian Cam declared that mass shooting is so unique to the United States. We already played it. In the next hour, left-leaning CNN law enforcement analyst Andrew McCabe echoed the same claim, even though the U.S. has disproportionately fewer mass shootings than other parts of the world. Returning to Cayman after recalling there had been an increase in shootings over the past year, just not mass public shootings, she then continued, so I know a lot of people are saying, well, America's back. You know that what? America never left. We have a gun problem. A bit later, even though CNN has a history of praising former Democratic Governor John Hickenlooper for praise passing gun law measures in 2013 in Colorado, Cayman claimed that gun law in the states are relatively permissive, as she soon added, the investigation will also go to the access to the gun. Colorado's relatively permissive gun laws, so how do they access it? But according to Newsweek, Colorado already has tough gun laws, recalling that the Gifford Center, which pushes more for more gun control, currently rates 34 other states have less strict gun laws than Colorado. The state even passed a red flag law and it goes on and on and just destroys everything they're saying is as usual a fucking lie it's just a lie i don't even i don't even know how to articulate why this is all just power it is to punish punish a subset they don't like that's all it is I mean, think about all the things we just covered on this show and how it would have been portrayed under a Republican president. Not just Trump, a Republican. This week alone, the Hill, Buttleg, a young, accessible millennial, charms Washington. Simultaneously, Buttleg, a mileage tax shows a lot of promise so we can track where you are and punish you for driving. And it got out of the bag. So Butler wants to make it really clear that a mileage check shows a lot of promises not part of the conversation because Jake Tapper who wants it. That a mileage tax showed, quote, a lot Tapper of wants it as a way to help pay for the plan. Um, that tax would charge people for uh, how many miles they drive. Is that under consideration? No, that, that's not part of the conversation about this infrastructure bill. Uh, so just want to make sure that's, that's really clear. But you will be hearing a lot more details in the coming days about how we envision being able to fund this. And uh, again, uh, these are carefully thought through responsible ideas that ultimately are going to be a win for the economy. That is fascism. How about people who drive for a living? How people have to drive to work? How? How? You want to track people's driving. Automatically, people who live rural like me are going to be punished. Because to go get groceries, it's a 12-mile drive to the closest grocery store. So I choose to live my life that way. Well, you already punished me by putting uh, low-rent housing in Section 8 in the middle of the woods. Because if you don't, you don't get federal. I mean, everything they do 
is designed to change demographics, change voting, and punish people. But the worst part, it's all pushed by the media. This gun grab from the beginning to the hate section to the violence, we're not covering anything correctly. We're just doing talking points that are fucking lies. So before we go into voting, I'm going to play the jerk off of the week and show you a picture, and then we'll start voting, because that also is coming straight from the media. I am a politic, the media jerk off of the week. So hot. Biden was simply looking to restore calm and be a post-Trump placeholder president. You need only take a look at this next proposal, that massive $3 trillion economic plan. That does include tax hikes, but promises major benefits for jobs and infrastructure. John, how transformational would this be? This is a go big plan, and it would be transformational for the economy on at least two major fronts. One of Biden's core focus is, over the course of his career, really, has been building back the middle class. This has been an issue, a group that's been squeezed for decades. A big infrastructure plan would not only make America more competitive for the 21st century economy, but would go a long way towards making rebuilding the middle class. The second piece is this is sort of a sub Rosa Greens jobs program, helping America deal with climate change and climate crisis. So it's a big ticket investment project. It goes far beyond anything Democratic presidents or Republican presidents have tried in the past. Um, it looks like it will finally be infrastructure week, Anna, after a lot of talk. Uh, but it'll be tough to make this as bipartisan as he perhaps had hoped. Not impossible, but tough. And that's what I want to ask you about, Margaret, because a leading Republican pollster told CNN about how Republicans are going to be framing this bill this. Nobody believes taxes are only going to be raised on the wealthy. The negative tends to outweigh the positive. If we do our job, it becomes the dominant thing. That sounds like the plan is, is to obstruct. So, you know, first we saw that with COVID relief. Now, infrastructure. Are Republicans going to work with Democrats on anything? Well, Anna, if, if Joe Biden wants to get anything through, first thing he's got to do is make it very clear what he intends to do with the filibuster. Because if he is going to say, you know what, I'm the next FDR. This is my moment. We're just going to we're going to ram through a, a, a progressive you know, agenda, regardless of whether we have Republican support or not. That's fine. He can do that. He's got that was a much longer soundbite because they brought back the polling person and some other lady. Anybody who's done anything to the Biden administration. Oh, you're so lucky. You got to touch the dear leader's hand. But those two fucking pieces of shit right there and that reporter. My God. So we're going to go up uh, $5 trillion more debt and charge back uh, $3 trillion in taxes. And it's going to hit the middle class and mileage tax that will leak into some fucking bill. Corporate gains. I mean, your house, if you sell it, he's going to rape that shit. Mm. It's all transformational. He's so transformative. He's such a god. And it leaks over the New York Times. This is amazing. Pompeo is uh, merging as the... Oh, I gotta bring this up. Sorry, I can't even read that shit, so I know you can't read it. Trump officials ignoring much... Uh, former Trump officials ignoring much as he did in office, the custom 
that current and former secretaries of state avoid the appearance of political partisanship. That's real. That's a real tweet. What did Hillary and Kerry do during Trump? What do Democrats do during every fucking Republican administration? They don't have protocol. Presidents don't stay quiet. Every official talks. The media brings them on. Can you please come and bash this Republican? But this is the type of intellect we're getting out of our media. Our media. They want the dear leader. I mean, look at this one. In the last few hours, Tennessee made it, legal, made it legal for anyone over 21 to carry a handgun without a permit. And Arkansas made it illegal for a doctor to treat anyone under 18 with transgender therapies. What did you expect, I said to him. You guys built this. You built it. You came up with the fucking, oh, we're going to, we're going to motherfucking uh, do all our own shit under Trump. We're going to ignore fucking law. We're going to have sanctuaries. We're just going to go rogue. Did you not think red states are going to do this? And once again, rewind the tape. Almost two years ago, I was saying that this is what the future is going to hold. Because the left did it, now the right's going to have to do it. Because unlike the left, these things that he's doing are extreme. They're not just, oh, we're going to require this. We're going to remove transgender bathrooms. I mean, what did he really do that was so extreme compared to Biden? Nothing. So before we go into voting, because now it's a swirl of, it's a turd in a toilet just flushing around. You have the Georgia bill, and then you got S1, and the media is losing their shit, and they're lying. So here are the facts. Number one, absentee ballot verified with a valid ID. What's wrong with that? Something like 27 states require valid ID. It's pretty enormous. Ballot drop boxes allowed inside early voting locations and available during business hours only. Weekend voting expanded for general election. Early voting for runoff reduced to minimum of one week. Deadline to request absentee ballot 11 days before election day. Counties will be required to certify election results within six days instead of 10. Public prohibited from distributing Food or water to voters in line within a hundred feet. That's already a law in Tennessee. That's a requirement. Because they're handing out bottles with their people's name on it and food, and it's a bribe. If I'm telling you, if Trump people were at every polling place for last election handing out golden fucking bottles of Trump water, this would be a thing that would have been in on HR1 and S1. You would have done it. Because at the last second, you're bribing. At the polling place, I think it's 150 feet in Tennessee, nothing. There's a line in the parking lot. Nobody can go forward to the voting line up within that line. So as it curves, that's the line. 
maybe 100 people are in that line. You can't talk to them. You can't wear garb. You can't hand out flyers. And you can't bribe them with goodie bags. And that's exactly what happened in the last election in Georgia. Georgia, They had operatives or Ostoff and Warnock in the line handing people bling bags of chow and water to earn their vote. That's not how voting works in America. This is a common law. And the sad thing is, I haven't been hitting it a lot, blue states have these laws. Maine has these laws. You can't politic inside the line. You have to have a voter ID. These are pretty common. But to cover their extreme policies of taking over the entire election, putting only liberals on the FEC, the Federal Election Board, doing everything like they did last time with the 80 voting laws and overriding states to tell them they can't make laws anymore or even check IDs for registrations or anything, they're going to spin this and you hear it. In our media, they, they're just going to, once again, taking that lemon turnip, because I switched to the last section, and they're squeezing the fuck out of it. President Biden is clearly fired up, upset about this new law in Georgia. His team and other critics say that black voters who helped him win there in Georgia, helped him get here to the White House, are being targeted with this new law and will be impacted the very most. This weekend, tensions high on the streets in Georgia. Protest over the state's new elections law, as well as the treatment of state representative Park Cannon, who was arrested in the state house as the governor signed the bill into law. Cannon's attorney telling me the bill and her arrest both out of line. The rest of the country needs to take a very strong look at the tactics that are being used in Georgia. The Justice Department needs to get involved. But Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who defended his state's election results in the face of conspiracy theories from former President Trump, also defending the changes. And so we have to really make sure that we have honest and fair elections with the appropriate balances of accessibility with security. And that's what we're working on. The law limits ballot drop boxes, adds new requirements for mail-in voting, and makes it a crime for anyone other than a poll worker to offer food and water to voters waiting in line. President Biden saying the Department of Justice is looking into it, calling the law pushed for by Republicans un-American. You have these dueling efforts going on. You have the Republicans who, quite frankly, are looking at ways across the country, 43 different states you have. Now, not all of them will, will succeed, but efforts to make it essentially harder to vote. To, to bring down voter turnout will be the effect. Those are almost entirely partisan efforts, Republican-only efforts. And in the Congress, you have this effort to combat that by making it dramatically easier to vote, by having the federal government mandate that states have dramatically expanded mail-in voting and early voting. Those efforts are also entirely partisan. Dan, if there's one thing in the country that's got to be bipartisan, it's the way we conduct our elections. You've got to have faith in the system. And right now, the two sides are facing businesses and events in Georgia in the wake of that state's controversial new voting laws. The backlash against Georgia's controversial new election laws. Inside the growing calls for an economic boycott of the state's businesses and events, including 
the Masters and baseball's all-star game. Here in Georgia, it has only been the law of the land for less than 96 hours, but already several groups have now filed a lawsuit to strike it down. Now, some Republicans are praising this as a potential model for other states, but Democrats, including President Biden, are slamming it as blatant voter suppression. In Atlanta and around the country, Georgia's new voting law, passed by the Republican-led state legislature, is facing major backlash. Critics say the changes amount to voter suppression, saying the law specifically targets black voters who turned out in record numbers for the 2020 election. The National Black Justice Coalition is calling on the famed Masters Tournament to pull out of the Peach State, writing in part, professional golf should not reward Georgia's attacks on democracy and voting rights with the millions of dollars in revenue that the tournament generates. The head of the Major League Baseball Players Association is also adding pressure, telling the Boston Globe that players want to discuss moving this summer's All-Star Game out of Atlanta. Meanwhile, President Biden is calling the law Jim Crow in the 21st century. One of the people that's reacting is Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock. He and Washington lawmakers are preparing to mount a battle of their own over voting rights legislation. He says that what's happening here in Georgia is only giving him more fuel. Very quickly, you met recently with President Biden, uh, Michael Eric Dyson, with other historians. Do you think that Joe Biden is ready to do that, to get rid of the filibuster? Very quickly, we're out of time. Very much out of time. Well, uh, you know, I, I think he's contemplating it seriously when he sees the consequences. What he needs to do is fill these busters with some fear of the government. These are the kind of people who will pass a law to keep Jesus from beginning a cup of water while he's dying on the cross. Yeah, that, that, is, that is sad but true. The, uh, sad but true. The state I mean, it is concerning and it's not surprising given that the president of the United States at the time was nurturing it for at least about five weeks before uh, uh, sometime into sometime in December, he started to mentioning uh, uh, January 6th and then uh, telling people that it was going to be a fight, either, you know, uh, to, to join. And then remember the day of he he instigated. So the fact that people were getting organized for it is not surprising or that they had an exit strategy. That's why. Uh, these prosecutions are so essential at this stage because uh, we want them to turn on each other. We want their families to turn on them. We want them to know that Donald Trump will not save them. And for the most part, you know, a lot of them will go away, right? Because uh, it's hard for them to recruit future radicals uh, if they're not a winning team. But I will say this, we will continue to have threats of violence. And the final thing, just your lead-in story is Georgia for, for a reason. The ties between the racism and the white supremacy and the violence to undermine a democratic election is a straight line to the GOP strategy uh, to undermine uh, the vote of, in, in particular, of minority voters. That is not, that's not two different stories. That is a single narrative uh, to not trust democracy, and in particular, not trust democracy uh, when African-American and Hispanic-Americans get to vote. And that is where the GOP has to be called out because they are uh, endorsing that violence through these, uh, uh, through these voting. Chris, the one piece that I would emphasize, because I've heard it a couple times on this program, that the idea that they've criminalized giving people bottles of water, they have not. What is in the statute, what is absolutely clear, is that they're preventing political organizations from giving people in line things, meals, water, what have you. Water is and should be provided at the poll for people who are standing in line. We need to be very careful about what we're talking about here because Democrats have entirely misrepresented what's happening.
We've been covering Georgia's crackdown at the ballot box, and now a number of the state's biggest companies are facing calls for consumer boycotts. Delta Airlines faced stiff pushback on social media, accused of not having done enough to stop the bill's passage. Coca-Cola is also facing a boycott initially releasing a statement in part, quote, expressing our concerns and advocating for positive change in voting legislation, but falling short of taking a stance against the law. As the New York Times notes, as Black Lives Matter protesters filled the streets last summer, many of the country's largest corporations expressed solidarity and pledged support for racial justice. But now, with lawmakers around the country advancing restrictive voting rights bills that would have had a disproportionate impact on black voters, corporate America has gone quiet. Corporate America needed to do better. Yeah, and, and I, I frankly expected some of those big corporations to do better. And once again, liberal companies are not going to punish Georgia. Hollywood's not going to use Georgia. We're all going to lose our shit because of this. Point of fact is a misinformation site churning out garbage like this to save Democratic talking points. Point of fact, the fact that Georgia banned on blah, blah, blah. So Holmes says the bill doesn't stop giving people water. It stops political organizers from doing it. Fact checker. We're going to fact check whether it stops people from giving water. You see the sleight of hand? It's a semantic trip. She isn't going to actually argue what he said. She's going to be willfully obtuse to come to the outcome she wants. Wait, I thought we were fact-checking whether water was banned. So the statement is mostly false because the law doesn't require water. You see how when PolitiFact can move the goalposts, they come up with any outcome? It's a neat trick. The bill also states that poll workers can make available self-service water for unattended receptacle to elector waiting in line to vote. But nothing in the law requires poll workers to make water easily available to voters while they're waiting in line. Last thing I'll say here, PolitiFact is not only wrong, but based on its fact-check, they very clearly operate in bad faith. The people who rely upon them as arbiters of truth to seriously reconsider. Michael Duncan. Holmes has a thread that explains how an inquiry from PolitiFact works. When they have nothing, they try to entrap you with other bullshit. The fact is, they're always a fucking lie. They've always been lying. They just churn shit out for liberals. And why must the poll provide water? When I go voting... I bring something to drink. I had coffee in my hand. Because it was gold. Why does the poll have to provide anything for you? You're usually not in the line that long. If you early vote. Dan McLaughlin schools George Conway on the many democracies that require ID to vote. George Conway piece of shit. I go either way on requiring ID to vote, and I do think it's being advocated by today to support a false narrative of electoral fraud, but it does appear that most democracies do require IDs for either registration or voting. Dan McLaughlin, like many of the common sense voting rules Republicans have championed for decades, is implemented with minimal controversy in many democracy. Maybe the most bizarre feature of the voting law controversy is that people who won spend four solid years arguing that we should be terrified about hostile foreign actors meddling our elections, but two, now say we need no safeguards. Isn't that the fucking truth? The Democrats' stance on voter fraud and election reform is like a guy who says, see, measles aren't widespread problem anymore in 2021, then refuses to have his kids vaccinated against 
measles. Brit Hume and Molly Hemingway. Rasmussen reports, should voters be required to show photo identification such as driver's license before being allowed to vote? 1,000 national likely voters. Yes, white, 74%, black, 69%, non-white, 82 all voters, 75 75% of voters say you should have a voter ID. Because they know what the Democrats are doing. Even Democrats know what they're doing. I will bet you my left testicle illegals voted in the last election. They do every election in California and Texas. We've proven it on the show in 2016. We had poll workers saying come back at another time for an illegal to vote. A DACA. Brett Hume. You never guess this from reading the claptrap in the media about it. They take their cues from the Democrats. Molly Hemingway, a damn politician, more likely the political arm of the media, or, or are the media the propaganda arm of the Democrats? I don't know. Here comes WAPO. Glenn Kessler, new fact checker. No, Delaware doesn't specifically prohibit food or water in polls like Georgia. Georgia does not prohibit food or water in the polls. This is disinformation. George doesn't. Georgia doesn't prohibit food or water. It says people can't handle water. Then, gang Klesner. No, Delaware doesn't specifically prohibit it. And then he comes back. New fact checker. Biden falsely claims the new Georgia law ends voting hours early. And he finally does one of them, but he gives them extra. Jo- Jonah Blank. It only forbids people from offering water to their fellow human beings. So all good. Voter suppression. Thanks for your hard-hitting reporting. There's nothing to fear with the new voter suppression laws. Joe is just lying about it. And then he'll change the way he does stuff. Because there goes the liberal mob. Pollster reveals how voters graded Biden's press conference. He torched his unity message. That's what they came away with. And once again, it all ties in to filibuster to get their shit. They're going to have to get rid of the filibuster. And John Roberts, I'm keeping this and putting it out every podcast. After POTUS, Joe Biden announced the rampant abuse of filibuster last year. We did some digging. Republicans used it once. Democrats used it 327 times. 327 times time but there's hope there's hope this is 12 minutes long but i'm gonna play it molly hemingway democrat activist pamela brown cnn tries to push the typical propaganda why americans aren't allowed to have any problem with their party's push for permanent lack of election integrity on representative michael waltz and boy does it not go well for her Republican Congressman Michael Waltz joins me now to discuss further. Hi, Congressman Waltz. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Pamela. And I can tell you very, very quickly, uh, Disney World in Florida has been open now uh, for months with no major breakouts. And in fact, I'm in Orlando now and and uh, am seeing, sadly, families from California where Disneyland has been locked down, flying all the way here to Disney World. Uh, at no major outbreaks. Uh, our statistics are good. Our schools have been open uh, since last August. So we all want to follow the data, but I would, I would suggest a lot of these lockdown states are not doing that. 
Anyway, okay. just want to, yeah. That's fair enough. And, and we yeah. hear you loud and clear. And we're going to talk more about Florida and COVID um, coming up. Uh, but I want to first just start with what we're seeing happen across the country with voting rights. Sure. Um, and just to be transparent with our viewers, it's important to establish where you stand on this. You have said you had issues with how states went around the state legislatures in this past election, but you ultimately did vote to certify the 2020 election results. So is it fair to say that you accept Joe Biden won the presidency? Well, I think a number of officials, unelected officials in a number of states changed the rules uh, just months before the uh, just months before the election that in many ways tilted uh, the election in, in Democrats favors. But at the end of the day, uh, what makes America different than so many places I've fought in around the world is a peaceful transfer of power. Uh, I think those issues still need to be addressed. Many states are addressing them now. Uh, mm -hmm. And and you know, but but we had to we have to move forward as a as a country. Um, but to your point, though, you know, if what I keep asking is if many Democrats say the elections were just fine, no issues, then why do we have HR one? Wait, the hold Democrats on, hold on. Before we get to that talking moving point, through the House. But I, I just want to get clarity on the question I asked you. This this sure. basic truth that American voters fairly and squarely put Joe Biden in the White House. Yes or no? Uh, uh, president Biden is the president of the United States. He's the commander in chief. We can only have one. And squarely? Uh, I, look, I think there are real issues with the election, but he won it. Okay. So, um, and just on that, as you know, um, there were more than 230 cases before the election. The battleground was set. And in some Republican states, Ohio, Texas, and North Carolina, um, they also went around the state legislatures as well. Those, of course, were states that Trump won. But I, I'm just honing on what you said, kind of what you laid out earlier. Yeah, I mean, Pamela, him, I mean, we can relitigate the whole thing. But I mean, there are also states, you know, you, you said uh, Florida's tightening up its laws, but, you know, Florida used to be a laughing stock of elections. Now we had a very clear election because we did things differently in 16 and 18 and will continue to prove in in 20 and so to, to right. I, I just kind of reject the premise that Florida is already tightening uh, its rules what it's doing is making it better uh, and I think if those other states do so then we'll have a, a much cleaner uh, and much more integral election going forward with voter integrity but I mean, the bottom line is there are bills in the House and the Senate in Florida that are um, reworking the voting laws. I mean, Republicans in your state are pushing yeah. to add restrictions to mail voting and drop sure. boxes. The one in the Senate restricts drop boxes totally, even one though your thing, governor. Well, hold on, hold on. Let me things, add, let's hold yeah. on one second, Congressman, because okay. I do want to hear what you have to say. But I also think it's sure. important to include this context. So okay. even though your governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, frequently bragged about how secure and fair Florida's 2020 election was. Let's listen to this. The result of 2020 from an administrative perspective was that Florida had the most transparent and efficient election anywhere in the country. Floridians of all stripes can rest assured that in this state, your vote counts. Your vote matters. Your vote will be counted. It's going to be transparent. It's going to be above board. It's going to be a, 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 a confidence-inspiring process. Okay, so in light of that, that was after millions of Floridians voted by mail, including President Trump himself. So why the need to rush through these new rules or put through these new rules on mail-in ballots and drop yeah. boxes if the election was so successful, as he said? Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's an easy answer. Florida has been doing a very 
strict, a very regimented process of vote by mail for many years. We're very hurricane prone. We have a lot of seniors uh, and uh, you have to request uh, the ballot. You have to prove with your ID who you are. And here's the thing, we knew all of our numbers and all of our totals on election night. You contrast that with states who change the rules just months in advance with unelected officials. You know, for example, in Pennsylvania had 10 time uh, the number of mail-in votings. In New York, they couldn't even settle they couldn't even settle a congressional election. Was Hang on, I, I, I let you, Pamela. I'll let, I'll let you ask. I please just have let to me fact answer. check. Go ahead. But, uh, no, I, I, please. I'm happy to go an hour with you and fact check. In New York, the facts are because the system was overwhelmed with mail-in voting because election officials were pushing it. They couldn't get a, a, a primary, a Democratic primary, counted for six weeks. So I think this notion that states don't have the right to improve their elections over time uh, is just a fallacious one. But I would, if I, I, if I could, uh, want to ask about why then the Democrats, if everything's fine, want to make all states perform their elections the same with HR1 and include things that just don't make sense. Dropping the voting age to 16, do we want teenagers voting? Banning any vote. state? banning any state from requiring ID. Uh, you know, I have, to, I have to present an ID to get cigarettes or beer. Uh, we certainly should uh, for the integrity of the vote. So if everything is fine, why are the Democrats cramming this? And I can tell you what's going on in Georgia is about politics. They're gaslighting these changes. They're gaslighting these improvements and fear-mongering, calling them racist, calling them Jim Crow, so that they can then justify getting rid of the filibuster and then cram through HR1, okay. well, that's a, which will, which will that's make cool. it the nation that's vote like That's a big like stretch there. You heard the governor say like there was a crisis of confidence and all these issues based on a manufactured lie that the election was stolen. There were multiple recounts in Georgia. I mean, both sides well, have their arguments about the bill. I just interviewed Gabriel Sterling, Republican yeah. in the Secretary of State's office last night, and he conceded that, yes, I mean, had Donald Trump not lost Georgia, Georgia, they probably wouldn't have done this. Uh, he said there was a punitive measure in the bill against the Secretary of State's office. No, he, he said that. I watched HR. that, Pamela. He said that about one specific I issue on his measure, office. And I said that. I said that. Right. I said one, that. One specific issue. But, okay. but and, Gabriel and, and Kemp were the same officials CNN and the media and others were lauding when they pushed back on Trump. But now this is a crisis and now this is voter suppression and now this is racist. So I think we're there's a little bit of talking out of both sides of our mouth on this. Well, one. and I'm not taking a certain position. I'm just looking at the facts here and there are. Uh, th there are a record number of bills being passed through Republican legislatures, which they have the right to. Hey, they were elected into office. In the they have the right to do yeah. that. I, I am not and saying that. And through the Democratic-led Congress, right? right? So as their number one priority, their first bill, not immigration, not health care reform, not transportation, their number one priority. And if everything is fine, then why do they want to so dramatically change then, the way the entire nation if Both. everything is fine, then the same question would go. And, and I, I want to get right, to COVID right. and, and China, yeah. too. But the same question would go again in Florida, where if it was so great, where you guys have been doing mail-in ballots using drop boxes because for so long. Florida was a disaster. Why? Florida was a disaster yeah, years ago. Years and years and ago, you guys. Improved, you've improved, and we've improved so why, every time. So then why? Okay. So anyway, we could talk about yeah. that. And, and by the way, <laughs> Pennsylvania in 2019, the Republican legislature passed the mail-in ballots there. But we must move on. One last question. I want to ask you uh, about the voting rights issue, but I want to play a statement from your colleague, 
uh, on the Democratic side of the aisle, Raphael Warnock. Here's what he had to say about voting rights. We wouldn't have to have this debate about the filibuster, at least on this issue, if the folks on the other side would do the right thing and stand for voting rights. I want to separate out H.R. 1 from the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Do you believe there is enough, there are 10 Republicans, to do an updated version of the Voting Rights Act, something that used to be fairly easy to get done in a bipartisan way? I know the issues with H.R. 1, and, I, and I'm trying to separate the two. Where are you on this? So I haven't I haven't drilled down on uh, this distinction that you're making. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, the Democrats have been driving this message on H.R. 1. And I think we ought to be asking our Democratic colleagues, why are they so insistent that we not have any mechanism to verify that a person seeking to vote is, in fact, the person that they say they are? Why are they so insistent that people ought to be able to go ballot harvesting, maybe go through a nursing home and get a couple of hundred ballots that just happen to be uh, what, whatever they are? I, I mean... The, there is a completely false narrative about so-called voter suppression. You look at the Georgia law, there's no voter suppression. Sunday voting is still allowed. There's an expansion of uh, in-person voting. There's no well, requirement that you have yeah. a reason for a, a mail-in ballot. All you need is some, some verification of ID. And so does every Department of Transportation in, in America for, mm. in order to drive. So does every airline if you're going to get on a plane. So this has been a false narrative entirely, Chuck, and, and I'm afraid it's all about trying to get rid of the filibuster. Uh, We're not going to be cowed yeah. by being called racist over policy that has nothing to do with race. I, I, I understand your point of view there. I'm just curious, though, do you think it's a good look for the party that after a presidential loss, after the former candidate basically creates a, a false narrative and lies about why it happened, that these, law, that these laws are getting changed under a false pretense? That's not a good look for the Republican Party, is it not? Well, well, Chuck, look, I was very critical of President Trump uh, along the way after the election, as, as I think you know. But we should be honest about this. We made very dramatic, sweeping changes to accommodate the circumstances of a global pandemic mm -hmm. that had huge implications. And some of those sweeping changes include provisions that are really actually um, tough to verify the accuracy of the vote. And we I threw Toomey in there because, yeah, it works. Good for him. Good for them pushing back on lie, just lies. Uh, mostly white movie franchise cheers on the white director of a different mostly white movie franchise for boycotting Georgia over new law. Mark Hamill. Absolutely. Call to activism. No more films in Georgia. Upcoming Indiana Jones director James Margold boycott Georgia after the restrictive new voting law. Do you support him? Nothing on the left is based on facts. They just go on raw motion. And nowhere in our podcast is it more evident than woke. Turn it up. Turn it on.
white privilege. Think about it. Whose flesh tone is this? I have brown band-aids in my classroom. I had to special order them. They're twice as much as these and they're hard to find and they're frequently out of stock. But when I hand a brown child a white band-aid, I am literally adding insult to injury and I refuse to do that in my classroom. The story behind this picture, um, I'd rather hold on to that. Just tell me, tell me what, what this seems to be a picture of. It's just two people chilling. Right, just two people. That's nothing more to that picture? Nah, not really. Just two people chilling. I don't believe that you believe that. Um, I don't believe that you look at this as just two people. Um, I don't think truly you truly is just two people, though, is it not? Yeah, but I think you're being, I think you're being, um, you're being intentionally coy about what this is a picture of. <laughs> what would I be being coy about? It's two people standing back to back in a picture. Yeah, and that's all you see is two people. I, I'm, I'm confused on what you would like me to, to speak I on in that I don't sense. think you are. I don't know why you do this. Um, I'm not trying to call you out, but you could, you, you, you know, you come out off of mute to talk about what this is a picture of, and you act as if, as if, you know, there's nothing noticeable about this apart from the fact that two people tonight fanning the flames lil nas x taking the old town road to hell going viral again and igniting controversy how the call me by your name singer is confronting homophobia and selling out a special edition of satan shoes everyone's left was that Time regulation? I don't know. A matter of minutes? M minutes, seconds. Not too, not too long after they retreated to the other side of the street, I proceeded to call the police. And uh, prior to today, have you had an opportunity to listen to a recording of that night? Can you please repeat that question? Prior to coming to court today, did we play for you a copy of that 911 call, a recording of it? I say yes or no, I cannot remember at this moment. If you heard that today, would you be able to recognize it as the 911 call that you made? That is correct. Captain Johnson, you're a former law enforcement officer, spent many years uh, in uh, Missouri this, uh, in, in the uh, Highway Patrol. Uh, the defense argued today, and you heard it, that Chauvin uh, did exactly what he had been trained to do. That's a direct quote. Does that argument hold up in your view? No, it does not. You know, part of the training is also uh, once someone complies, that the force you're using stops. And we train officers about excessive force. And so that part of the training is obvious from the videos that we've seen and all the evidence that we've seen that that part of the training was not followed here. What about the argument they made, uh, Captain Johnson? Uh, it, it was a pretty strong argument. They, they claimed that uh, there were bystanders who were distracting the police officers. And as a result, uh, they were more concerned about their own safety and didn't pay much attention to what was going on with George Floyd. Well, one thing we saw in one of the videos, one of the policemen asked Mr. Floyd what he wanted, and he said, I can't breathe. What so on that bumper, we have the Band-Aids again. Band-Aids are racist! Yay! Woohoo!
We are so fucking stupid. And those are teachers, for the record. Teachers. Let me get the music going. Bring it down some. It's be too loud. Here we go. Ready? 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 Yeah, clown music. You gotta love it. You gotta love the clowns. Because they're all fucking clown cars. Second one was another teacher from Loudoun County. Man, if you're in Loudoun County, you need to fucking move. All day on CNN, Chauvin, Chauvin, Chauvin. We are just going to make sure that if it doesn't go the way we want it, it's going to be Riot City and Wolf Blitzer and those other chuckleheads covering it. And then in between pinched was the ABC. We love the devil shoes. Uh, my daughter loved that, by the way. My wife saw it on her Facebook. We're just down with devil shoes. Yay. Yay, you're losers. I don't, Ian Michaels, John, teachers are broken. They're teaching your kids to be victims. This is what unions do. Lower the qualifications so that anyone can become one and erase performance standards so that no one is an overachiever can ever be fired. Me and my wife watch TV every day, and at some time we say, homeschool. We would have lived in a cardboard box and just homeschooled. Are they unable to make these videos without dripping the condensation and have Charles Manson eyes? Cray cray every single time. Then the Virginia soundbite we played came from a local Virginia high school teacher seen a video berating student for not acknowledging race during lecture. The lesson was reportedly part of a college-level English course that introduced students to different literary theories, according to one board member. Video posted online shows a Virginia high school teacher appearing to berate a student for not acknowledging the race of two girls seen in a presentation slide. The video, taken from a lecture in Loudoun County Public Schools in Ashburn, posted on YouTube, shows a slide with two girls, one a red-headed white girl and another black girl, standing back-to-back with the caption, What is race? The teacher asked students what they see in the picture. An unidentified student says he sees just two people chilling and then you heard the rest because you must recognize race everything is race it's all fucking race but there's positivity a lot of these are sprouting up wokeism will turn our kids into failures groups called parents defending education announces its launch thread we are delighted to announce a public launch today of Parents Defending Education, a national nonpartisan group that will build a grassroots army of parents to begin a reclaiming our K-12 schools from political activists and extremists. We believe in some basic principles shared by overwhelming majority in the U.S., but that are under attack from leaders of many schools. Education should be based on scholarship and facts. It should encourage our kids' development into happy, resilient, free-thinking citizens. Education should prepare kids for life in America, a Western democracy with unique values and traditions, not for a life of blind obedience to radical, ever-changing social justice causes and toxic identity policy. Let us be clear, wokeism is an attack not just on our kids' education, but on their psychological health that seeks to make them angry, confused, emotional, contemptuous of their community and society, and unable to use logic and reason. Wokeism will turn our kids into failures. This attack on our children take many forms, the cult of anti-racism, which demands they feel either shame or guilt or resentment and bitterness, depending on which racial category they are assigned, and tells kids they are racist if they don't obey. 
equity, which demands aggressive and illegal racial discrimination against Asians and whites. Action Civics, which trains young kids to think and act like radical activists rather than curious learners. We know that the problem, what the problem is. Parents Defending Education is here to pursue solutions. First, we must empower each other, join our effort, become part of our network, learn about this dangerous new attack on our schools and society, and get organized in the fight ahead. Second, we must engage. We have to get involved in our schools, many of which are going off the rails and need oversight from the majority that, oppo- uh, that opposes indoctrination and extremism masquerading as education. Third, we have to expose the activists in our schools like operate behind the fog of woke slogans. In reality, many schools are spending enormously, enormously your money on equity and inclusion consultants, professional development training, and the like. PDE is using FOIA filings, investigative research, and other tools to expose the schools are doing, and the extremists behind it will fight civil rights complaints and litigate against schools that have forgotten our country. Finally, what cannot be achieved through existing channels will be accomplished through new measures such as state-level legislation acting serious reforms. Our schools are not owned by teachers, principals, or political activists. They're funded by we the people, and they're supported, supposed to help strengthen our communities, not tear them apart. Schools that abandon their obligations to the community will be challenged. If you share our beliefs, join up. This is good shit. Good for them. It's needed everywhere. Everywhere. Because we're still getting stories like this in our military. This is our March 19th. Some troops see Capitol riot, BLM protests, a similar threat, top enlisted leader says. And they're still treating it in the Army Times as a bad thing. Why wouldn't they? They defend enemies both foreign and domestic. And there's more enemies than just the 200 idiots that stormed the Capitol. USACOM, new chief of diversity and inclusion, reassigned pending investigation of his post comparing Trump and Hitler. They shit-canned his ass. That's fucking awesome. Because they didn't check his background. He was woke. U.S. Strategic Command responsible for guarding against nuclear strikes raises eyebrows with gibberish tweet. It literally was, apologies for any confusion, please disregard this post. It was just a bunch of crazy shit. I am telling you, across the board, people need to tighten up. Tighten up their interns on fucking social media. A lot of bad shit happening. But to get some funny in the woke, because it's kind of hard, this stuff is scary. The entire Georgetown team kneels to the National Anthem and then loses by 23 points. MacGyver, a show I used to watch and now is pretty much on its last leg, joins BLM to fight institutional racism. They wanted to improve their races, their ratings. It's not working. Teacher opposed to opening classroom has had it with cynical, pearl-clutching, faux-urgency, ableist, structural, white supremacist, and la-da-da-da. Reopens California schools. An official uh, SCUSD teacher in Sacramento publicly calling parents white supremacists and bullies and speaking in favor of in-person learning. I thought we were done with this. And here's what she fucking said. Let's go to the tweet. Let's go to the tweet! 
It's Sunday morning, which means I went off on parents in my home districts. Here's what I said. I come to you as a grateful parent. I'm grateful that I kept my children home, and I'm especially grateful for what I heard from parents last week. Until then, the only way I could measure the level of white supremacy in my neighborhood was the Nextdoor app. The people clamoring for a district to break its legally negotiated MOU with teachers are going to be teaching their own children who treat the teacher's effort as though they're not being exhausting and ever-present while also going through a pandemic themselves made it much easier. I come to you as a parent in full support of the teacher staying home and distance learning because it remains the safest, most humane practice. I'm as disappointed as I am unsurprised that last week we all had to hear all the clinic cynical Pearl clutching, faux urgency, ableist, structural, white supremacist hysteria, even as teachers were moving forward with MOU that already put them in harm's way and was asking too much of a beleaguered group of professionals. This is not a country club. Our teachers are not the wait staff whom you callously and inhumanely disdain because they fail to anticipate what you want, lime instead of lemon, with your water when you walk to the door. This is a public service aimed at educating your children so they grow up to be better than our generation. You set that back by quite a bit, and they're watching. Our children are watching as you make ableistic attacks on board member Pazuti out of one side of your mouth and pretend to care about children out the other. And there's no need to deny it if you didn't tactfully support such shameful behavior, you wouldn't use your time to say so last week. You've attempted to bully a school board into making the schools less safe for teachers and children, and you nearly succeeded in making complicit two of its members who are still meeting virtually, but deciding that others must meet in person. You attempted to bully a school board into acting in bad faith with teachers of our children. There is one more thing I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that there are so many more parents who value the teachers than you verbal and entitled few. This is who you are. Our children are watching, and you showed them, and your teachers that you valor neither during a pandemic. God help us all there's another one of these because you sure as hell won't. I'm pretty goddamn done being polite and thinking there's an acceptable middle ground on some topics. This one of them! It just fucking scares me. Just fucking scares me. We need a screening process because if anything right now I want you to think that Trump and the GOP was pushing Christian blocks of instructions, traditional family blocks of instruction, firearm training block of instruction, American patriotism as a required thing. How would that go over? But that's exactly what's happening in our schools with CRT as a mandatory requirement for graduation. It's a fucking shit show. And another shit show? Army leaders say ACFT 3.0 remains gender neutral despite gender-specific evaluation that lessens it for women. Pioneering female ranger school grad lowering fitness standards for women is a bad idea, but they're going to do it because the whole motherfucking group is failing 66% of the time. And then I gotta put this up. This is this the 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 speechless. This is okay on Twitter. This ninety-eight percent of straight men refuse to perform oral sex on a feminine penis due to their bigotry and hatred of trans women. Ingenital-based bigotry. Bigotry. I don't want to suck a dick. I'm a bigot now. ACLU, all in. Oh, 
Jesus fucking Christ. Ian Michael John. So why do children need hormone replacement therapy and puberty blockers? ACLU. Trans children are perfect exactly as they are. And the world, you just owned yourself. You just owned yourself. Because if it's perfect, why do we need to get hormone blockers and put up graphics like this? There's a lot of dicks. It's a bag of dicks. They want me to suck the bag of dicks or else I'm a bigot. No, I'm heterosexual. But I told you there would be a time in our world that being heterosexual is a bad thing. And not wanting to suck a dick makes you a bad person. So let's do a little quick media hit. I, I got uh, Please, God. Please, God, help me. I'm going to put this over my face again because this is... This is the craziest she's it, uh, she's itty I've ever seen. Th- this picture right here is fucking insane. It is uh, Jim Acosta put this up. Shot in the arm. I needed the latest studies show COVID nineteen vaccines are highly effective. Please do your part to end the pandemic. Get your shot. A shirt commemorating Jim Acosta's journalism in twenty twenty is ridiculous on brand for Jim Acosta. But we rely on it. We didn't point out that Jimbo really missed an opportunity to send an even more powerful message about the quality of his reporting last year. Next time, Jim should consult Twitter media Matt D. Shop. The shirt you need to list on stories Jim Acosta didn't cover in 2020. It's a gigantic shirt. <laughs> Let's see if this tells me what, what the fuck it, it actually says because it's hard to read. Uh, tell me you please have it broken down. This is the most Jim Acosta thing Jim Acosta has ever done. Even more Jim Acosta than Jim Acosta making his Twitter editor picture of Jim Acosta pointing at Jim Acosta Twitter avatar in a mirror. I'm sure you went straight home and told yourself, Jimmy, you were a brave boy. I'm so proud of me. So this is what it says because I, I really can't blow it up anymore. Um, let me bring it back down to normal level. Just fucking... You just... In 2020, I covered the impeachment trial and caucuses night that lasted a week and the primaries and the COVID pandemic and the economic crash and the racial justice protest and Lafayette Square and so many rallies and the death of RBG and the president 1 a.m. coronavirus diagnosis and a Supreme Court confirmation and election night that lasted a week, a fringe by tweet and recounts and the presidential transition. I have made this commemorative shirt to prove I was there. That's your fucking media. And then this also is your media. CNN Brian Seltzer, he's figured out why Republicans have stopped watching his shit show. If a party's political leaders spend four years telling people that real news is fake and real reporters are frauds and real newsrooms are out to hurt them, then it's no wonder why the party's members would stop watching and reading and believing real news. It's little wonder why they would turn to talk show hosts who claim to be the only sources of truth. And so it was that millions upon millions of people bought the big lie last year about Democrats stealing the 2020 election from Republicans. They trusted people like Maria Bartiromo, and they were tricked. They were conned. And now some of the victims are trying to tally up the damage that's been done. So how about... $4 billion. 
defamation lawsuits against Fox News are seeking more than $4 billion in damages. And the latest is filed by Dominion to the tune of $1.6 billion. The lawsuit by this voting technology firm lays out a plot to profit off of lies. So let me take you through it for a minute. Dominion lays it out in chronological order in the complaint, alleging that Fox suffered a ratings decline for reporting accurately that Biden won the election, and then chose to defame Dominion in an effort to win back viewers. By mid-November, by mid Dominion says it had sent information to Fox disproving the falsehoods, but the network stuck with the lies for the ratings. Why? Well, the lawsuit claims that lying about Dominion was good for business, while telling the truth risked Fox's future since even Trumpier channels like Newsmax were hitting them from the right. Dominion says this happened despite election security experts, audits, hand recounts, all affirming the truth in mid-November. By November 20th, Dominion demanded the Fox retract the false statements, but Fox refused and doubled down. According to the lawsuit here, Fox kept indulging in Sidney Powell's conspiracy theories, kept booking her on TV, and at the end of the month, the lawsuit says, Fox's strategy paid off big time because Trump agreed to call Maria Bartiromo for his first post-election interview, where he continued to deny reality. Now, one of Fox's responses to this case is going to be that a Dominion spokesperson was interviewed on Fox. There he is. He was interviewed on a Fox newscast, and he was able to deny the crazy charges, and he was able to present the truth. But this is where the multi-year-long campaign to deny and dismiss and delegitimize the news media comes into play. Because that one interview on a Fox newscast was seen by far fewer people than Bartiromo's propaganda. Years of smears against reporters have created this poisoned environment where the GOP base doesn't even trust Fox's anchors. Fox's ratings rise when far right-wing talkers come on the air, and the ratings fall, sometimes fall off a cliff, when news anchors come on. The anchors bend to the right, but I guess not far enough for their viewers. This is radicalization in action. And this is why Sidney Powell's argument doesn't hold any water. You've probably heard about this. You know, her defenders are saying that no reasonable person would have accepted her frenzied fraud claims as fact. They say it was merely her opinion. But Trump world has tried to destroy the common ground of fact and replace it with opinion. They've tried to say for years that you can't trust the news. There is no such thing as fact that you should just trust Sean Hannity or something. Now, in that environment, there's not a sucker born every minute. There's an unreasonable person born every minute. Replies to this must suck whether your whole job is to report on what Fox News report. Who knew CNN had a program dedicated to review, reviewing rival Fox News? You're obsessed with Fox. What did Tucker have for breakfast today? Seltzer's lunch. CNN's rating rise when Trump is president. They fall when Trump has left office, but they still talk about Trump every fucking day. They have he has bled 60% of his viewers. And the reason is, even lefties aren't down with the North Korean-style media. CNN politics. The reason President Biden is popular is no secret. He does popular things on important issues. That is totally devoid of polling that shows he doesn't. And then we get to this. They're still on this crusade to take down anybody that won't toe the line and just be a option, you know, a communication arm of the Biden administration. So Brent Murphy, our intern, just published her first story with us, and this is the vitriol she's been met with. Just insane. Here's the piece. It's great and so 
Brianna. So here's the things people said, and Brianna's an evil person. Like, oh my God, guys, here's like my first super literate, super original piece trying to destroy people's lives because they oppose the regime. Woo! Whore Enlist is training Excel. Sorry, like, that's fucking very funny. Anyway, but this is a daily occurrence on the left. I mean, daily they destroy people. Lefties do a righties, and it's, it's, it's fucking okay. Nobody has a problem with it. But without making excuses for the nastiness, so criticism is to be expected when you put your name on a piece like that. A lot of people are going to take issue with you if you shame one side for crowdfunding after committing acts of violence, but give the other side a pass. For the record, though, insider digital cultural reporter Rachel Greenspan doesn't think Smith did anything wrong, and she certainly doesn't believe that Smith deserves to be criticized, particularly by the likes of Glenn, Glenn Greenwald and Jack Probasek. Sorry, Greenwald and Jack Probasek. Greenwald and Jack Probasek, she actually spelled it not saying their names because that's horrible, are directing insane harassment to a literal intern at USA Today. What kind of grown adult speaks this way to random young women doing their job? It's sickening. Love this cute industry where harassment is supposedly par for the course. Of course, the Probasek tweet uses the intern's first name, extremely popular tactic on the far right to make their target seem feel weak and unimportant. Tim Poole, journalist fragility. And what did Greenwald say? Congratulations on using your new journalistic platform to try to pressure tech companies to terminate the ability of impoverished criminal defendants to raise money for their legal defenses from online donations. You're well on your way upward in the industry for sure. Here's some other response. Michael Tracy, a prerequisite for entering into the online media industry nowadays is to infantize young adults by pretending the mean tweets they receive after knowingly reporting on incendiary topics are some of the sort of profound moral crisis with editors expect to swoop in and coddle them. Are you okay? Patrick um, Henry. Probably because she's ignoring the riots over the summer and specifically Antifa in Portland. Maybe she should do her job here first. USA Today still exists even when all the hotels are closed? (laughs) Your intern has started a career trying to deny accused people a defense because she doesn't like their politics. Young authoritarians don't deserve kit gloves. I just, I fuck, I just fucking just... Fuck these people, man. It's a massive scam. Glenn Greenwald zeroes in on the dirty little game journalists at major newspapers like USA Today play. Congratulations. Okay, I already read it. Um, not exaggerating. Seems like 50% of journalism this these days is finding new ways to pressure and shame tech companies to silence, censor, and vanish people from the Internet. Disliked by journalists. Their main cause is not transparency, but Internet censorship. If you ever find yourself confounded, frustrated, or repelled by the behavior of mainstream journalists, just read this relatively short essay by Freddie DeBoer, which really does explain it all perfectly and succinctly as anything could. And I'll read it next podcast, because it's good shit, and I'm out of time. See also, trust in media has declined to all-time low. For the first time ever, fewer than half of the American people have trust in traditional media. 56% of Americans agree with the statement, journalists and reporters are purposely trying to mislead people. 
In society in which the population trusts journalists is important, democracy needs that. But that's the opposite of what's happening. And they know that. And with Trump gone, they know the only pillar holding up the collapsing edifice has vanished. Rachel Greenspan's tweet, which she wouldn't even spell their name. Richard Hanoi, I like how the journalists for USA Today set out to stop Americans from being able to pay for lawyer. And the defense of the media is shame on Greenwald. We don't actually pair to do this. This is the dirtiest little game journalists that major newspapers like USA Today play. They use a huge platform to attack and try to ruin the lives of powerless people and private citizens, then depict themselves as the fucking victim. This is Greenwald again. I'm going to have an article on this in just a bit. It's a massive scam journalists are running. If you're capable of writing news articles in the largest, most influential paper in the country, attacking private citizens, you're fair game to be criticized. Watching journalists weaponize the language of the voiceless to the marginalized as they apply it to themselves, to cast criticism of them as some moral crime bully or harassment is repugnant. You have the right to criticize journalists at major outlets. Use it. By the way, in addition to criticizing the lead reporter on the USA Today article, the journalist who was first put on the byline by her editor, I also extensively criticized and engaged the male reporter whose name was L- First. Is that allowed? Anytime the journalist writing for major corporate outlets self-victimize and claim that the target of bullying and harassment campaigns, ask them what the rules are for permissible critique of their work. There are none. There are none. They're above us. You shut your mouth. Her article, Insurrection Fundraiser, Capital Riot Extremists, Trump Supporters, Raise Money for Lawyers' Bills Online. I was going to cover it last podcast, but I edited it out. So, this goes back to where they see the world. Our journalists are just activists. So you as a conservative, you don't deserve representation, regardless of the crime. But a black guy who kicks an Asian lady in the chest, you better not even say his goddamn name. Two girls that kill a fucking Pakistani guy, why are you making... They're young kids. It's his fault he got carjacked. These fucking people... And then this one, Steve Krakauer, Jay Rosen, next time a White House correspondent says Jen Psaki, the president's willing to be bipartisan, she should ask politely, which definition of the term the correspondent has in mind, voter-centric bipartisanship or political-based in kind? Steve Krakauer, gotta love when journalism professors who have never actually practiced journalism are giving advice to political hacks on how to properly dunk on reporters. But that's the deal, because I end the show, Major Biden bites another White House employee for the second time. President's dog, Major, on Monday after been another employee who then required medical attention. First Lady Jill Biden, Press Secretary Michael DeRosa, confirmed the nip in a statement to Fox News. Major still adjusting his new surroundings, and he nips someone. Out of an abundance of caution, the individual was sent to WHMU and then returned to work without injury. The encounter took place on the White House South Lawn, and it was a National Park Service, and only Fox News covered it. Only. Only Fox. Nobody else covered it. Because why would we? It would hurt Biden. We can't hurt Biden. 
Why would we hurt Biden? He's such a good guy. I love it. So, let's do a lighter fare and close this pig out. Catch my uh, press conference. It was so easy. Mm. A lot of critics thought I wasn't mentally prepared enough, but uh, I think I proved them all wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kamala, not sure if you heard, but uh, I'm putting you in charge of solving a little immigration problem down at the Mexican border. Yes, I did hear that. Wow. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Such a Fun, solvable problem. <laughs> and and what are you in charge of? Moi, giving out checks. Uh, who wants stimmies? Woo! <laughs> Make it rain. This is a nor'easter. Stimmy uh, nor'easter. Oh, <laughs> Biden. Yeah. Oh, and guess what? I got a little uh, Passover surprise for y'all. Okay. Yep. Here he is. Come on in here. That's right. It's my dog. He's major. He's back from being retrained. He's all better now, aren't you, Major? He's a sweet pooch. <laughs> well, thank God we can all hang out now that we're all vaccinated. Isn't it great? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you little thing so President Trump and Operation Warp Speed already. I don't know about that. I switched over to an ice road trucker's marathon. Thank, thank God something spooked that hellhound. It just took 67 days, and it's not really a dig. They started day one on every Republican. Come on. Come on, man. Corn pop falling on stairs. There's so much shit there. This guy is a walking meme. But whatevs. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with your family and friends. Go to FuckPodcast.com to see the audio and hear the video. If you want to watch back shows, like I had a double video, double audio this weekend, you can go to FuckPodcast.com and it'll take you to Rumble for the video and SoundCloud for the audio. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the freaking yeah yes. We're going to go with the April 4th podcast, April 2nd will be my 25th wedding anniversary. So as we close out today, it'll be a picture of some young buck that used to be me. I don't look like him anymore. And a beautiful woman who still looks the same because we're in 34 on Friday. So tune back in Sunday for another one. As always, you thank you for listening and you take care. Oops, I forgot some. Going to put in first... Martin Truex Jr., baby, won the truck race, Was got the first stage in the dirt track. If you didn't watch it, it was amazing. And then he got a cut tire on the, the, the fucking overtime, so we didn't finish third. So, got to have a little segment on my boy, Martin Truex. See you Sunday. Do they?